The Hearth is for you if you're a business leader with a team. Here, we have conversations about how to keep growing when you feel you've reached your capacity, when what you're doing is working, but you're starting to see the cracks, when there's a gap between where you're at now and where you want to be. Here, we find ways to transition through the struggle of survival toward creating a thriving business that supports you and your team as whole humans. Your host is me, Candace Elliott. I'm a business strategist and mentor who specializes in working with business owners who are going through periods of growth especially when you're adding more people to your team. The practices and systems that worked when your team was smaller just don't seem to fit anymore. And when you're caught in stress and reaction, it's tough to reimagine the way that you created your world of work, both your own personal one and the one that you created for others. I help people align their values and business practices to build practical, sustainable, thriving work ecosystems. And no, this isn't just some work utopia talk. To do this, I bring forward my decade-long professional background in human resources and organizational development, working with growing businesses across many sectors and my decades-long search for meaning and wholeness, which includes researching the history of work and how it came to be what it is today, practicing a trauma-informed approach to business, and integrating work, life, and spirituality into a meaningful whole. Let's take this journey together. Welcome back to The Hearth. Today, we are going to be talking about the U.S. health disadvantage and what businesses can do to help. Um, So I guess where we'll start is what is the U.S. health disadvantage? Um, Yeah, I mean, when I talk to a lot of people in the United States, there's this idea that perhaps because the U.S. is one of the wealthiest countries in the world, the wealthiest country in the world, um, that we should have the best health care and be the healthiest people in the world. And, you know, maybe maybe we should be, but we're not. Um, And that is what the U.S. health disadvantage is, is that on average, the health of Americans is worse than the health of people in other wealthy countries and in in even in other um, less wealthy countries. Um, And this information um, is, you know, widely available. You can find it in many places where I first came in contact with it was um, a study that the U S surgeon general did, I believe in 2021. And it was about, um, businesses and, um, creating thriving communities. 
um, and the intersection of health, business, and community. Um, so what is that disadvantage? Like how, how, um, does it show up? Um, so the U S health disadvantage has its roots, um, in communities where vital conditions that shape health are not met. Um, and there are seven different vital conditions and those include basic needs for health and safety, like clean air and water, nutritious food, a safe environment, meaningful work and wealth, including employment, job training, financial savings and security, humane housing, like safe structural structures and affordable costs and diverse neighborhoods, proximity to work, school, and recreation, so the ability to live near work, school, and recreation, reliable transportation, including time and energy use for transportation. Um, So that could mean buses or um, it could mean cars, it could be bikes, it could be anything. Um, And then a thriving natural world, like a, a healthy natural environment and green spaces. Um, and then also included in this is lifelong learning, including literacy and number skills and quality early child education, elementary and high school education and access to career and adult education. And then belonging and civic muscle. So the ability to um, have a sense of inclusion and the power to influence the policies and practices that shape the world. Um, and this talks about it specifically within government, but I can also see an application in the workplace as well. Um, and so the way that this disadvantage shows up is um, in you know, mental health issues, in alcohol and substance use issues, um, in um, high blood pressure, hypertension, insomnia, in the number of fatal car accidents that we have. There's a whole list of different um, uh, ways that our um, health is not as good as other countries quite a long list. Autoimmune disease is another one. And so I've thought about coming at this from a lot of different angles and I just don't, I don't want it to seem like it is solely the job of businesses to fix this problem. It is not. This is a big, it's bigger than just businesses. (laughs) Um, It needs to be addressed from many different angles but businesses have a part to play, I think. And I think it's a really important part to play. I mean, when we look at what's happening in the, in the research, I mean, healthcare expenditures um, were 2.6 times higher in the United States than the average healthcare expenditures of other um, wealthier countries. The number of Americans that have one chronic health condition is six out of 10. 
and four out of 10 have two or more chronic conditions. Um, and this includes a significant number of younger folks, like in that 18 to 44 year zone, um, it is 18%. And then when you get above 45 years old, it's 50% of people. So one out of every two have two chronic health conditions. This has an effect on people's ability to work, right? Because if you have a chronic health condition that gets in the way of your ability to do your job, um, and it puts a strain on the company and the employer and also the employee to be able to meet the conditions of the work environment that they need to meet. Um, I talked in my previous episode about um, employee health and the workplace and ways to decrease stress. Um, Stress is one of the main factors in chronic conditions that happen for people. And so being able to decrease stress helps people to um, have less chronic uh, health conditions, Um, along with a variety of other things um, like what I just listed, um, you know, financial savings, uh, humane housing, reliable transportation, a thriving natural world to access, belonging and civic muscle and all these different pieces. This is what creates a thriving community. But something um, to know is that, you know, I think the other side of this, right, I said, you know, businesses are not solely responsible for this, right? Obviously. (laughs) Um, But I think the healthcare system is also not solely responsible for this, right? Um, In the research, it shows that only 10 to 20% of health outcomes are directly related to what is happening in the clinics and the hospitals. And so that's 80 to 90% of health outcomes are really determined by the ways that we are living our lives. You know, if we have enough sleep, if we have nutritious food, if, you know, moderating the amount of stress that we're continually enduring, um, the, you know, amount of quality time we're able to spend outside, the amount of social interaction that we have, this is all related to health. And so if we keep ignoring this situation, um, there are some trends that are currently happening that could get worse. I mean, one big one that I actually didn't even know until I started doing this research is that um, U.S. life expectancy is ranked last among industrialized nations and is declining. So for years decades, <laughs> hundreds of years, <laughs> um, U.S. life expectancy kept increasing over time, right? It was like, you know, we're making all of these wonderful advances and life expectancy is getting longer. But now we're starting to see the reverse of that. Life expectancy is starting to go down um, so that our children will not live longer than us is one way to think about that. Um, And one of the postulations about why this is happening is because of the pressure to succeed and the pressure to keep hustling and doing all the time. Um, That 
the American idea of the self-made individual and a land of opportunity and pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, um, which had social support to back it up in previous generations. It's just not the same anymore. Um, and that continuing to prioritize that hard work and hustle in the form that we are doing it right now in the types of workplaces that we're doing it right now is, is harming our health. That's not to say that people shouldn't work hard, (laughs) um, that people who are driven shouldn't be driven or that people who love something should not be doing what they love or that, um, It doesn't sometimes take difficulty to get to a place where you want to go. Those are all very true things. But the pressure to be always on and to be always doing more and better um, creates harm. Um, And having a more cyclical view of things to understand that as we go through life, we have ups and downs. We have times when We have more and less capacity. We have times when we have more and less financial ability, more and less ability to lead, um, and, you know, different, you know, capacities to be able to be involved in our communities in different ways. Um, the more we can embrace that and to let go of the things that are not fitting and to be okay with letting them go, the more that'll help us to not only Uh, do the work that is the most important work for us to do in our businesses instead of all the work that we could possibly do, but also will help us to address this issue of the U.S. health disadvantage. Um, Something else to think about in this world um, is just the disparities that we find in health in different kinds of neighborhoods. Primarily BIPOC neighborhoods um, have much worse conditions for the predeterminants of health. For example, things like access to nature, right? Um, Or even just creating the space and the time to spend time in nature for one thing to think about. Um, One of the organizations that I work with is Santa Cruz County Park Friends, um, and they have a program They did a program recently where um, they were taking kids who live in Watsonville, which is very close to the ocean, um, like a 10-minute drive to the ocean. Um, So kids who grew up in this town that's 10 minutes from the ocean who had never seen it before. So these are the kinds of things that they have an effect on health and they have an effect on our community and... um, where we're going and our businesses can participate um, in order to bring these things into a reality. Some like optimistic <laughs> kinds of things um, within this, like things that businesses can do. I was like going through a bunch of Gallup polls um, and noticed that 70% of Americans have a great deal of confidence in small businesses. Within confidence, it's like 
um, that they are, you know, being responsible, that they're supporting their communities, that they're, you know, creating good jobs and, you know, that they're like participating well um, as businesses. And this is compared with 21% of Americans that have confidence in large businesses. 63% of U.S. adults um, were dissatisfied with the size and influence of major corporations uh, versus, you know, um, this like uh, the other side of it where um, 70% of Americans are supportive of small businesses, right? And small businesses by number (laughs) are the biggest number of businesses that there are um, in our country. Um, They don't employ the most people, um, but they are the largest number of businesses. So just know (laughs) that generally, if you're a small business, the public is rooting for you. (laughs) Um, They're wanting you to succeed and believing that you're doing well. Um, And so, you know, if you go out on a limb a little bit to work on these kinds of health objectives. um, It'll just even support that even more. Another thing to think about as a business owner or as a business is that like within the world of inequality and lack of economic opportunity, those who have power and resources are more likely to benefit while workers, mid-level managers, and consumers are more likely to receive less. So if you are a person with power and resources, it is more likely that you will continue to have power and resources than power and resources going to other businesses, workers, managers, and the community as a whole. And so as a person with power and resources, you can decide how to channel those resources into your community, your employees, your managers to create a thriving ecosystem, cultural ecosystem. And so there are a lot of ways to do this. Um, you can start small, (laughs) you can start or not small, but you can start um, within your own company of, you know, looking at, okay, how are my workers doing? Like financially, that's one, one piece that you could look at. How are my workers doing financially compared to other workers in this area? Are they able to afford the kind of housing that is stable? Are they able to have reliable transportation? Are they able to um, go out and do things that they enjoy? Or are they stuck in in places where they can't do that? Um, are my managers like seeing opportunity for growth or are they kind of stuck where they're at? Like, how do we create pathways for people to um, be able to have more autonomy and agency over their own lives and to be able to to participate in a way that brings them health (laughs) Um, to be, you know, not stressed so that they're able to do things that make them feel healthy and actually are healthy for their bodies. Um, Another way to think about it is, you know, what organizations are already in my community doing things that I really believe in um, and then finding ways to support those organizations 
And then a third thing that I really find to be so important to do is to be involved in your local government um, so that as issues come up that affect you and your business and your employees um, that affect your community, that you're a part of the conversation that's happening around what is happening in your community and what it is becoming um, and the the direction of the decision-making that's happening. Um, I happen to live in a community that has a very vibrant (laughs) local, um, political scene. Um, and that, you know, there is a lot of contention sometimes in that. And what I have enjoyed about the process of local politics here is working through those issues where we don't all agree and seeing where, there is space to move forward and where things are aligned so that we can create the kind of community that we want to see, that we want to give to the next generations. And then just from this report, I wanted to share that there were um, three things that they proposed businesses do um, in order to create thriving communities. One is to focus on the well-being of people. So employee and dependent benefits, workplace policies and environment, and customer well-being fit into that category. The second thing is the well-being of places. So the vital conditions of community, access to opportunity, broader community systems. And then the third thing is equity. So ensuring that resources are focused on those most in need and that everyone has the opportunity to thrive. And that as these roles are aligned, they get incorporated into the meaning of being in business and why you're even doing it in the first place. So what are some ways to get started? Just a couple a couple ideas. Um, one is to just look at your internal practices through the this lens, um, you know, well-being of your people, well-being of place, and then equity, um, and to see, you know, where there may be room for growth. Um, another thing is to join an aligned business organization. Um, I am currently a member of the Santa Cruz County Business Council, which I find to be a wonderful organization, not just to meet peers, <laughs> um, but also to really have the tough discussions around the issues that are coming up in our community um, and that affect other communities all throughout the country as well. Um, so there are all different kinds of business organizations and professional organizations and just finding one that is the right fit for you or looking at what's available around you to start could be a good way to go. Um, And then a third thing is just looking for a nonprofit partner, you know, one that is in your community that's already doing really good work um, and then reaching out to them and finding out how you can support. All right. Well, as always, please, you know, take from this what, uh, what works for you. You know, I'm not like saying that because I've found this research that, you know, you have to 
accept or go with any of this, but I did want to share it with you because it seemed really important and was fascinating to me. Um, If you have any questions or you want to dig into any of these things further, let me know. I would love to do that with you. Um, And we'll have links for you also in the show notes. Thanks. See you next week. Hit subscribe to know when the next episodes come out. And if you're feeling generous, please leave a review. Reviews help other like-minded folks find their way to this resource. If something you heard today brought a smile to your face or a spark to your heart, and you'd like to connect with me, there are a few ways to do that. One is my newsletter where I put most of my time and energy when I'm not working with clients or with my family or working on this podcast. Sorry, social media. The newsletter is a mix of real life stories, tips and tricks, and of course, updates on what's happening with the podcast. Whenever something's going on with me or in my business, it always comes out there first. Another resource that I have for you is my guide to doing work differently. This guide takes you through four inquiries into how you can build a more sustainable and equitable work environment for yourself and your team. It's a great place if you're looking for somewhere to get started. Last, if you've got a burning question, a comment, or a situation you'd like my eyes on, you can email me. All those links are in the show notes. Take care, brave soul. Catch you next time.